0: Fifteen. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three,
1: two, one.
0: From inside our two bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, it is. The Masson All Access Podcast, Paul Mancano. Brendan Mortensen here with you as always. Going to talk about some uh, sophomore slumps on this podcast, in particular with the Orioles. But Brendan, how was your sophomore slump? Which, which was worse, your sophomore slump or your senior slide?
1: Ooh, that's a great question. Well, if you're talking college, yep. my senior slide would include getting sent home from college early because of coronavirus. So I would of, say that that one was because probably... Because you expelled, like, Right,
0: yes. yes. Probably um, using magic outside the school. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. you know how it is. Uh, so I would say that the, the senior slide was probably a little bit worse for me in that case. How about GPA-wise? GPA-wise, I think my sophomore slump was worse. Was it? I think so, yeah.
0: But you had to have done pretty well as a freshman for there to be a sophomore slump.
1: No, I think it was actually the opposite. I think my freshman year was the worst one. And then I, and I slowly GPA got a little bit really? better. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I came in cold. I set my expectations really low. Mm-hmm. And then I just, there was nowhere to go but up. That's,
0: wow. That's a certainly a way to do it. Right. Uh, my senior slide was pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: are we talking high school senior slide or both. college? Both. Very both. Very much both. Okay. Uh,
0: yeah. And in high school in particular, I probably told this story in the podcast how I turned in a paper about Shakespeare uh, three months late i believe that's that's a few months late yeah after i had graduated already had the diploma and uh this is my final paper had to hand it in well you
1: probably should have done that a little bit earlier probably before
0: in theory before graduation but yeah my teacher loved me so much at that point weird flex i'd had i'd had a lot of classes with this teacher okay and uh and then i like kind of forgot about this paper it was a five-page paper it was like nothing to it and then uh well, clearly back, there was something to it I came back if and, it was such a I just mental I didn't block want to, to do it, and I came back in July for uh, like some kind of summer camp, and yeah. I bumped into the teacher, and he was like, did you ever hand in that paper? And I said, I don't think I did. And he goes, you've got to send me something, just Oof. something. So I wrote three of the five pages, sent it in, got a 40, which was just enough to pass.
1: Well, your parents must have been so proud. They're of that. thrilled, yeah. And they
0: love that. I, I'm sure they love that I'm telling this story. I bet on they the do. Podcast. I bet they do. It makes me look good, right? Yeah, right. What, what was your favorite uh, Kevin Brown non sequitur uh, story from over the week? Ooh, on the on the broadcast, by the way.
1: That's a great question. There are ooh, there are a lot to. I think it was probably the Icelandic yogurt.
0: I yeah. would have to go with. That was good stuff. Yeah. I don't think we give him enough, uh, Kevin enough crap for the puns that he makes. Oh, Because he was talking yeah. about Bob Dylan and was asking uh, Hall of Famer Jim Palmer about Bob Dylan, and he said the times, they are a change-up. And it's like, <laughs> you know, Kevin can get away with it because he's got those smooth, baritone voice yeah. sounds that he makes. But, uh, you know, these are genuine dad jokes. They are. And we don't give him enough, you know, flack for it. But who doesn't love a good dad joke? Um kids. Well, yeah. Grow up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Should we talk <laughs> about these uh, sophomore slumps Brendan? because yeah, we is, probably should. That's the theme of the podcast. That was the term that uh, Mike Elias used yesterday and currently we're in uh, not the greatest of times in this 2021 season for the Baltimore Orioles. The team has lost 9 in a row. They've lost 16 of their last 18. Pretty much since the John Means no-hitter, things have kind of gone downhill, um, and I think that the most disappointing part of the season so far has been the sophomore slumps, and in particular, Dean Kramer, Ryan Mountcastle, two guys that we thought would be carrying the team at this point, or at least be, you know, in conversation for most valuable Oriole, um, have not performed. Uh, up to our expectations from the outside.
1: Well, look, baseball is a game of adjustments. Ryan Mountcastle and Dean Kramer came in in their first stints with the Orioles, and they overperformed. They played really, really well. The book wasn't out on either of them. You didn't really know how to pitch to Ryan Mountcastle. You didn't really know what to look for when facing Dean Kramer. And now that both of these guys have gotten a little bit more experience under their belt— It's up to them to adjust back to how teams are playing them. Ryan Mountcastle, the book on him, at least so far, is that he has not been able to hit the pitches low and away. And so if he learns to do that, he's got to adjust to that style where people are pitching him. And Dean Kramer, he's got to adjust to a lot of things, it seems like, at the major league level. That's why he's optioned to AAA.
0: Yeah, he was sent down to Norfolk yesterday after... Uh, a rough start a couple days ago in Minnesota. Um, And look, I think there are a couple of different ways that you can look at this. I think that obviously the first time he was optioned down, it was simply to uh, give him uh, the work that he needed, considering he was going to get skipped over in the rotation based on the weird kind of schedule. This is not that. This is an option based on performance, and it's not like it's a punishment, so to speak, but it is a, you know, hopefully, for Dean Kramer, a little bit of a wake-up call, and it's a little bit, um, you know, it's sh- trying to get him to fix whatever is going wrong. In Michael Elias, we trust, and
1: I've said that a lot on the podcast, I am... In 90% disagreement with this move, and I think I am probably in the minority there because of Dean Kramer's numbers. But I'm gonna explain why a little bit. Okay. He's 0-5 I, with I a 6-8-7. Yeah, yeah. He's 0-5 with a 6-8-7 ERA in his nine starts on the season. And you can essentially break those nine starts into four good starts and five not so good starts. In his five not so good starts, he goes Three earned, four, uh, excuse me, three innings or four innings in most of them and gives up three earned, four earned, and five earned runs. Mm -hmm. However, two of those starts were against the Yankees, two of the bad starts. One of them, was against the Boston Red Sox, and the other one was against the defending AL East champs, the Tampa Bay Rays. One of them, of course, was against the Seattle Mariners, who do not have a great lineup. He goes three innings, four earned against the Mariners. But that was his second start of the season, and the second time he faces the Mariners, he goes six innings, one earned. So he clearly learned something from that first start, comes back in his second start pitch as well you can see a similar trend against the Yankees. He's faced the Yankees in three of his nine starts so far this season. So one of the best lineups in all of baseball, his second start, he gets hit around his third start against the Yankees. He goes five innings, gives up just two earned runs. His other two good starts come against Texas and another good one against Boston, five innings, three earned runs. So he is showing at least improvement against those better teams. I would say, and in his bad starts, Four out of the five of them have been against really, really good lineups. And the fifth one was his second start of the season, and he came back against that same team later on in the year and goes six innings, one earned for his best start of the year.
0: Okay. Yes, he has struggled against good lineups. But here's the thing. That's the American League East. Right. And I think that you did purposefully omit some of his struggles along the way against not so great lineup. Second start of the season, gives up four earned against Seattle in three innings. Right. Last start, his most recent start against a Minnesota Twins team that came into that weekend series with one of the worst, or weak series rather, with one of the worst records in baseball. Lineup that is not hitting and he gives up five earned runs. Oh yeah, that, that was my innings. mistake.
1: I, I meant to say Twins, I said Red Sox.
0: Right. So, yes, he is facing some difficult teams and we talked about on our last podcast the hope that he would turn things around, but He gets an opportunity against a Twins lineup that is not particularly formidable right now, and he gets hit around. And to me, that is what he's going to be facing every fifth day, is a lineup as good as or better than the Minnesota Twins and the Seattle Mariners. Most likely better than. And two, uh, you know, the, the good starts so far, unfortunately, have been the anomaly, not the bad starts. The good starts have been against Texas and the other one came against Seattle the second time. Those are two of the worst lineups in baseball, or at least in the American League. So there are a lot of guys that can do that.
1: Well, I would argue that he also had two good starts against the Yankees and Red Sox, where he goes five earned, excuse me, five innings, two earned against the Yankees, and five innings, three earned against the Red Sox. I think those are good starts. And yes, the Twins have a bad record, but the bullpen is a majority of the reason for that bad record. I mean, they are, are what, 0-12, in games that are double headers or go past the ninth inning in regulation? I mean, yes. So I think the Twins still have a good enough lineup where it is understandable that he would struggle.
0: I I think, look, I think those, you mentioned those Yankees and Red Sox starts. Those are fine starts, but they're not even quality starts. No. So he's not even showing the flashes that we need to see at this point from him. And it all equals out to an ERA just under seven. So he is legitimately struggling. There's there's no way around it. Like you can, you really have to. At this point, you really have to, having to dig to find stats to say that he deserves to be in a major league rotation at this point.
1: He's absolutely struggling. However, my kind of counter argument to that and is going to be the counter argument as well when we talk about Ryan Mountcastle and whether we think that he should be optioned down to Triple A what is he really going to do differently in AAA? And that's where a little bit of my leeway comes in terms of why maybe optioning him was a good idea because, Hey, maybe he needs to work on his command of his curveball. You can say, or maybe he needs to work on this specific mechanical issue or something like that. But I don't know if optioning Dean Kramer down to AAA
0: is going to do him a ton of good. If he's just, dominating triple a hitting i think i think brandon hyde said it perfectly yesterday i think the reason that you do this is because recently he's been pitching with a lot of traffic he described it a lot of runners on base he's been getting crazy high pitch counts and brandon hyde is looking to win games on a day in and day out basis so at the on the minor league side a lot of guys a lot of the top orioles pitching prospects it's not like the managers are going out there saying all right d.l hall give us the win today all right, Grayson Rodriguez, you got to get us into the seventh inning here. They're saying, all right, what is the best for this guy's development? So if that means you pull him after four innings because he threw 85 pitches the week before and you don't like him the third time through the lineup and you want to give this other guy who, you know, you you have so much stacked talent at the AA or AAA level, you want to give this other guy a chance to come in. That's what they do. They are not looking, I, I know the individual managers want to win at the, you know, Gary Kendall and Buck Britton are wanting to win on a day in a day out basis, but they also know that development is the the most important thing. That's what they have said time and time again. They get that. So that's what's different about the AAA level is that the focus is is just as not uh, just as much, if not more so, on development side. Meanwhile, for Brandon Hyde, he's giving Dean Kramer the ball, saying, "We need you to get into the sixth inning because our bullpen has been really taxed, and we can't do that to them. And we want to win a game, like you." Y- that is a much different mentality, and it's it's less pre- it's going down to the minors means less pressure on Dean Kramer. It means less traffic on the base paths, so that he's not having to worry about pitching out of the stretch and worrying about guys on base. Dean Kramer can go down there, have a maybe a little bit more success against lower quality hitters, build back up his confidence, focus in on what he needs to do. And you look at the the last year when he had the most success, the. First time he got called up, his first couple starts, near the end of the year, he had a bad start against Boston. But his first couple starts, after he had been at the alternate site where he was just working on his stuff, no traffic, not worrying about anything other than simulated games and working with the coaches, that was when he was at his best. So I think that's what they're trying to do here is unlock the best version of Dean Kramer, build his confidence back up, Get him back up to the major leagues where he's not having to focus on got to get into the six because he got to make sure they handle the ball off to the bullpen.
1: Yeah, and I agree with you there, and I don't think that there are no benefits to optioning him to the AAA level. My thing with Kramer is that I think we have seen the stuff from him. We just need to see the consistency, right? right? We have seen that his stuff can play at the major league level, which is not very similar to somebody like Keegan Aiken or Zach Lowther, who have come up to the major league level, and obviously Zach Lowther will get more opportunities. Keegan Aiken will get more opportunities, but Keegan Aiken right now has a higher ERA this season than Dean Kramer does. Absolutely. Zach Lowther got destroyed in his first start against the Red Sox because I think that was way too early, in, at least in my opinion, to throw him against such a good lineup that early on. I Dean think- Kramer has flashed.
0: He hasn't flashed in a while, though. It's been it's been a while. I mean, when was the last time he was really? Electric.
1: I mean, the long the the start against the Mariners. Six innings, one earned. That's a very good start. I know that's the team that John means no hit. But but...
0: that's one in 10 starts? Yeah. So that's not enough. Like, you're not seeing enough flashes. The last time we saw him, like, and that's against a bad team. I'm sorry. Right. Like, the last time we saw him flash against a very good team over an extended time was in the 2020 season. It's been a while since we've seen that. And even from our vantage point, Dean Kramer is not not passing the eye test. I mean, he is sailing some balls, as Hyde says he overcooked some balls. He's spiking the balls in some in the dirt. He clearly has very little command at this point of his curveball, which can be a very effective pitch. But last time that was an effective pitch was 2020. I mean, none of his pitches have been above average at the Major League level this year. And that's not to say they won't eventually, but the flashes are not really there. And Kramer said it the other day after his start. His confidence has been very up and very down this year. And that can be a problem. And and at at some point, you have to send a guy down to get stuff figured out. My my question for you is, is there no point at which you would send Dean Kramer down to the minors? I I think
1: there is, like I said, I am not in 100% disagreement with optioning Dean Kramer to AAA. I do see some of the benefits to it. However, I think a lot of what I was looking for is Dean Kramer has struggled so far. How is he going to adjust? That's why I was kind of looking at the teams that he has faced twice so far this season, two times or three times. There's two examples of that with Seattle and New York where the third start of the season against the Yankees, he comes out and has five innings, two earned runs, which is a solid start. His second start against the Mariners after getting hit around the first time, he goes six innings, one earned. Obviously, two different pitchers and two very different scenarios, but John Means last year, from July 30th to September 2nd, in his six starts, has an ERA over eight. Right. John Means, again, very di- different circumstances. We know what John Means was going through at that time, but he comes back after that stretch, and he adjusts. Yeah. He brings the velocity down. He works his off-speed pitches differently,
0: and we're seeing what John Means is doing at the major league level right now. And Yeah, and it was a different circumstance. Right. And... But also, John Means was away from the team right. at that point. He was dealing with the death, of the death of his father, and he missed some time there. So it wasn't like an injury. It wasn't like he, him being demoted. But what partly maybe helped John Means was being taking a step back from everything and looking at everything from a bird's eye view and saying, what can I fix? I think that the same thing could happen with Dean Kramer. And that's why I don't have... I don't want this to be mistaken for me not having faith in Dean Kramer being able to figure this out. I do think he will figure this out. I think he's going to come back, maybe this season, late this season, maybe next year, and have it have everything figured out. So it happens, and, and that's the other point I want to make about sophomore slumps is it, just as with John Means, it can happen, but sometimes it does take a little bit of a kick in the rear. Sometimes it or sometimes it takes t- taking a step back. It's different for every guy, but. To see him go out there every fifth day and get hit around by major league teams, it's not going to get any easier from here on out. It's just not. I know a lot of those starts have been against the Yankees and Red Sox. Guess what? The Rays and the Blue Jays are also in that division. The Orioles play them a lot in the coming months. Those are some pretty good lineups too. Yeah. So it's not going to get much easier at the major league level. It can get easier at the minor league level. And I think that's where he needs to figure some, some stuff out.
1: Yeah, teams have the book on Dean Kramer right now, and the question is how he is going to adjust back, and teams will go back and forth, and that's just kind of how the game works. I don't, I don't
0: think it's so much like they have the book on it. He's just not, he doesn't look good. Like, he's, right. he's missing pitches. His locations are not good. Like, it's not yeah. like they, he's throwing his, executing his pitches and they're, they're hitting it. Like, he's not executing his pitches. He's not hitting his spots. That's why, why I think this, this option came. Because they And that's why they gave him two months in the majors to figure that out. Because if he were hitting his spots and they're hitting it, then he's got to go back and say, all right, what am I really doing wrong? You know, I got to figure something out. That would be more concerning. Because then it's like, is his stuff even playable at the major league level? But this stuff, he's just missing. He's missing his spots and his command is not there.
1: Oh, and the other thing is too... There aren't necessarily any starters that are pounding down the door for that rotation spot. I know there's guys like Bruce Zimmerman, Keegan Aiken, who is going to take Dean Kramer's place in the rotation. Zach Lowther did not look good in his first start. Mike Bauman got hit around in his first start at Triple A of the year. So it's not like there's really anybody that you're saying, okay, we have to get this guy some starts. I think Keegan Aiken is deserving of some starts in the rotation, but every time that Keegan Aiken
0: has been in a game this year where he pitches at least three innings, he's given up at least two runs. Well, some of that has been bad luck. I think Keegan Aiken has been on the wrong side of some, he he has been pulled in several games where runs have scored after him that he has left on base because the bullpen has been taxed. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not saying Keegan Aiken is going to come in and be, you know, an excellent replacement for Dean Kramer, but at some point you have to give him another shot. I agree. You know, we talked about him, that he's sitting on the major league roster and they say that he still has the potential to be a a starter and we believe that he does, maybe at some point if he hits his ceiling. So at some point you have to try him out there. And yes, he has that high ERA, but I I don't think his ERA tells the whole story for Keegan Aiken this year.
1: I agree. And I think Keegan Aiken is deserving of a spot in the rotation. Just personally, I don't know if I would have said it's Dean Kramer's spot to take. But Jorge Lopez has been pitching a little bit better. We know Matt Harvey struggles, so I I don't know. I, I, I suppose Dean Kramer makes sense in terms of going to a guy that you know you can option to AAA. I don't think optioning Jorge Lopez or Matt Harvey does you any good at triple A at this point. So I suppose Dean Kramer is the one that you can kind of rotate in and out with a little bit more flexibility.
0: Right. And I I think, you know, I am in agreement that I would probably say Jorge Lopez should be the one that, you know, is going to get replaced. But I think he's going to get replaced at some point. Yes. Uh by somebody else. But like you said, there aren't too many guys banging down the door right now. And Norfolk, it is the only of one of the Orioles' four minor league affiliates that doesn't have a winning record. And part of that is because they don't have the pitching right now. They're going to get it. Kyle Bradish just got up, you know, sent up. We're going to talk about Kevin Smith in a little bit, maybe joining that AAA Norfolk rotation. But Alexander Wells is not on that roster um, at the the time being. Mike Bauman is still working his way back from injury. Zach Lowther has gotten hit around. So there's not really a natural replacement to fill into this rotation. So I think Keegan Aiken, giving him another shot in that rotation makes sense.
1: Yeah, Keegan Aiken absolutely makes sense. And like you said, you need to see if he is going to be able to be a rotation piece going forward because ideally you don't want him as just your long man in the bullpen. If he can be a starter, you at least want to see if he is capable of doing that.
0: Yeah, well, the other sophomore slump that, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about on this podcast is Ryan Malcastle. Um, and he has shown signs. He, at times, has flashed in terms of being able to get himself out of it, but those flashes have not been extended. Um, a guy that we thought was going to be a piece in the middle of this lineup that was going to do some damage but is really not, not living up to that, and it has been his plate discipline. We don't need to talk more about it, but is there a point at which... I'm guessing no for you based on your answer for Dean Kramer. Is there a point at which you would option Ryan Mountcastle down?
1: No, I definitely would not. I don't know, again, how much he really has to gain at the AAA level because you would assume that if Ryan Mountcastle is sent back down to AAA, he is going to mash pitching in Norfolk just like he was doing before he was called up in the first place. And Ryan Mountcastle, even more so than Dean Kramer, has flashed at the major league level. Obviously, there are some things that he needs to work on at the major league level right now. I mentioned before the low and away pitch. It's something that Aaron Judge really struggled with for his second year after his fantastic rookie season. It's just when pitchers are kind of getting the book on you and where you can't hit. It's the low and away sliders that he's really been getting killed with and those high fastballs that he just chases. Ryan Mountcastle sees a fastball at his eyes and he thinks it's going out. And a lot of the times he's swinging and missing right now, but no, I would keep Ryan Mountcastle at the major league level at this point. I think he just needs to adjust to major league pitching. And I don't think sending him down to adjust to minor league pitching does him a ton of good.
0: I would agree there, especially because with Dean Kramer, it's a different story. I think in part because Dean Kramer got only four starts at the triple a level in his career. That's all he had before he got optioned earlier this season. He barely had any, the The only exposure he had to AAA Norfolk was when he got called up from Bowie near the end of the 2019 season. And in those four starts with Norfolk, he got hit around. He had an ERA well above eight. So the reason he got called up last year was because they liked what they saw from the alternate site. But that doesn't mean that he is fully seasoned, uh, you know, and him going back to AAA Norfolk... That could legitimately help him. For Mountcastle, he crushed AAA pitching in 2019. He was there the entire season. He was one of the Orioles minor league players of the year. You can't learn anything else from him being at AAA. Right. You just can't. And uh, I think that it is something, it maybe is easier for a position player to figure it out during the season um, because he's going to be in that lineup almost every single day than it would be for Dean Kramer to, to figure it out going up against some of the more difficult players competition in the American League every fifth day
1: and not that this should play too much into the larger overarching goal of developing guys but with Austin Hayes out you pretty much need Ryan Mountcastle in your outfield at this point unless you want to consistently start Ryan McKenna who I would argue would benefit more from reps at AAA than Ryan Mountcastle would. Yeah. So if you're looking at guys in the outfield that you would rather keep at AAA, Ryan Mountcastle is probably at the end of the list. I think you want to keep Ryan Mountcastle at the majors. And he is improving a little bit. He's hitting 300 since May 15th. He's got two doubles and a home run during that stretch. He is obviously not where I think Orioles fans expected him to be, and he's probably not where he expected himself to be. But he just needs to adjust to the major league hitting. And like you said, I don't think there's really anything he can learn at AAA at this point. And I don't think there's anything that the Orioles can learn about him at AAA.
0: Yeah, and I think this is not something that we should be overly concerned about, like you said, both with Kramer and with uh, Maucastle. And the comparisons, I made the comp- you made the comparison with John Means and Dean Kramer. John Means, literally, sophomore slump. He was had, uh, you know, rookie of the year consideration back in 2019, was an all-star as a rookie, second half of that year kind of struggles, but then in 2020, really gets hit around in his first few starts of his sophomore season, figures something out in September, has three starts in a row where he gives up only one run down the stretch, and in the month of September, has a two four eight ERA. So he turned it around. Trey Mancini, his first year, hits 24 homers, is a finalist for Rookie of the Year. Hits 293. Looks like this guy could be a fixture in your lineup for years to come. Sophomore year, the entire Orioles lineup is struggling. It's 2018. Things are going downhill. He's going... He's really in his head. He's struggling. He hits 242 for the season. Still hitting 24 homers, but he's trying to walk in the first half of the season. It's not really working. And it he is so frustrated that he gets this text from his sister in this story that's been told by many reporters that says, you didn't come this far just to come this far. You still have somewhere to go. You still have something to unlock in yourself. Figure something out the second half of that season after the All-Star break hits 276. hits more home runs per at-bat. He figures something out. The same exact thing, I'm not saying it will, same exact thing could happen with Dean Kramer. Same exact thing could happen with Ryan Moukassel. They're both hitting their sophomore slumps, just like the two best players on the current day Orioles in John Means and Trey Mancini. The best pitcher and the best hitter both hit sophomore slumps. They figured it a way to get out of it, and they turned out to be very, very good players on the other side. The same thing could happen with Kramer and Mountcastle. Yeah,
1: and the important part there is that both John Means and Trey Mancini had the stretch of flashing, and I think with Ryan Mountcastle and Dean Kramer... Maybe Dean Kramer a little bit less so than John Means did in his rookie season, obviously making the all-star team that year. But we've still seen the stuff from Dean Kramer. You see starts out of him where you were like, wow, this guy can be maybe a number three starter in a rotation for a long stretch. We saw Ryan Mountcastle mash the baseball last year, just like Trey Mancini did in his rookie year. So I think both of these guys, like you said, have the capability of doing that. Maybe we'll see it after the All-Star break, like we saw out of Trey Mancini and John Means. Yeah,
0: it's just another reminder that progress is not linear. Right. And this is not... Yes, there are bumps in the road, and Michael I said this yesterday when he met with the media, and not everything is going to go smoothly in a rebuild, but it's also not unexpected. It's not like the Orioles were, like, really counting, and that, that it's exactly why they are still in this phase of the rebuild, is because you can't count on guys who are this young to produce consistently. That's just not it historically does not work. That's why the Orioles didn't go all in and say, well, we really think we can win with Dean Kramer and Ryan Mountcastle and treatment. No, you need one. These guys are young. They're going to take more time to develop and get better. And two, you know, there are still guys waiting that are going to do that. You know, Grayson Rodriguez in his second, you know, maybe as great as a rookie in his second year is not, not great. Goes through a sophomore slump. That could really hurt your team. So, We're years away still, a couple years, not that many years. We're further along in this rebuild than we were. But we're still a a little bit of ways away from a winning team. And it's not like the organization has messaged anything different in the offseason. It's not like they were putting out posters. They were saying, this starts now. This is the team that's going to get us over the top. This is what they expected. This is what they've been saying this whole time is... 2021 is not a year where they're focused intently on the win-loss record at the major league level. They are seeing the results that they need to from the minor league side. They're hitting some bumps in the road at the major league side, but they know that they're going to be able to get themselves out of it. And hopefully
1: by the time guys like Grayson Rodriguez are up at the major league level, having their own sophomore slumps, Guys like Ryan Mountcastle and Dean Kramer will be past that and they will be more consistent in yes. the Orioles lineup exactly. and the rotation. Exactly. So, hopefully, if Grayson Rodriguez is going through his sophomore slump, Dean Kramer will already be solid in the rotation there to pick up some slack.
0: Maybe Dean Kramer's thrown a May no hitter yeah. you know, against the Mariners when Grayson Rodriguez is struggling as a Oh, how the turntables. Exactly. Yeah. All right.
1: What else do we have to talk about? Yeah.
0: Uh, Austin Hayes. Let's talk about... uh, Next up on the agenda. Yes. uh, Hitting the injured list for the second time this season. Definitely frustrating. And I know no one's more frustrated about this than Austin Hayes himself because he came into the season saying that really the only thing he needs to prove is consistency. He wanted to play 162 this year. Obviously not happening. um, But he has... It's more than flashes. He is good when he's playing. He's a, a good... Center fielder, he is a uh, average to above average hitter at the plate. Still needs to work on some things, you know, tweaking uh, plate discipline definitely. Um, But he has the ability to be an above average major leaguer in the short term as well as the long term. So for him to suffer yet another injury, this time to his hamstring, is certainly frustrating. Yeah, and he has shown that he is
1: perfectly capable of being an everyday outfielder at the major league level. He can be a starter for this Orioles team Going forward, he is, like you said, good enough at the plate. He's great speed-wise. He is a really good outfielder. He has the capability of playing both center field and the corner outfield positions, and he plays them very well. So when Austin Hayes is healthy, he is going to be a part of this team for a while. The issue, of course, with Austin Hayes is that we keep saying that he hits the injured list, and it is really, really frustrating to see somebody with this much potential keep getting hit with that injury bug. It's, it obviously brings up the questions of, well, is he going to be healthy enough down the stretch for somebody that you can rely on in the outfield? And hopefully we, I feel like we say this every time that Austin Hayes has an injury, but hopefully this is the last time we're seeing Austin Hayes on the injured list for a while. And he's finally able to have that longer stretch of a season where he proves that he can be an Orioles everyday outfielder. And unfortunately, we just haven't seen it yet. And luckily, the Orioles have some good outfield depth with guys like Ryan McKenna. Neil Diaz will be up soon. DJ Stewart is a good depth piece. But you just really, really want to see Austin Hayes put together a good stretch of staying healthy and playing good baseball.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately, Neil Diaz also approaching the category of, you know, the injury list piling up a little bit as yeah. well on the minor league side. but. Yeah, it is frustrating, and I guess, I guess I'm, guess i you know, I'm no doctor, but I guess it's better that he is almost better that these injuries are occurring in different parts of his body than it is that he, it's not like he tore an ACL and is re-tearing an ACL, you know, or, or it's right. a back issue and it keeps coming back, something like that, um, because then, you know, that might be a chronic issue. He has had so many different injuries really since the 2019 season uh, knee injuries, hamstring, when he got hit in the ribs by that pitch, that was a freak thing. Yeah. You know, you can't blame him for getting hit in the ribs. Uh, he got hit, I think one of those was him getting hit in the knee. So it's like, in addition to an ankle injury, he had, you know, a lat injury. So all kinds of crazy injuries that he has had over the course of his career. And the good thing is, they're not at the position where they're focused, you know, they're not in the middle of a playoff hunt where they have to worry about replacing his production in the lineup and in the outfield every single day. They have suitable replacements, like you said, but, you know, he can take his time making sure that he gets healthy before he comes back, but it is definitely frustrating because we know how good he can be. Yeah,
1: and probably the starting outfield going forward, you're going to see Brian Mountcastle more than likely in left field most of the time with Cedric Mullins in center and Anthony Santander in right. You'll probably see DJ Stewart a decent amount in left field if they want to DH Mountcastle or put him at first base. Maybe you'll see some more of Ryan McKenna, but I think if somebody is going to pick up the slack of Austin Hayes being out, I think you'll probably see more DJ Stewart, if I had to guess. But I suppose if you wanted which, to give Ryan Mountcastle more reps in left field, that could be a good thing for you. And if you want to see what you have in DJ Stewart
0: a little bit more. Which is not the worst thing in the world right now, considering he's right. hitting over 300 in his last nine or so games, yeah. or something like that. He's, he's hitting the ball pretty well. Yeah, So has been pretty good. And made a nice catch in right field the other day. That so, he did. Uh, not the worst thing in the world. Uh, some other issues cropping up on this team that we should talk about in addition to sophomore slumps. The bullpen has been a major issue. And it was. A, it feels like forever ago, but it was a bit about a week ago that we went on this podcast and said, the bullpen has been a strength of this team. It has been the sixth in baseball in ERA and has numerous guys that might be trade assets. And they had a disaster of a week, which is what happens when you lose nine straight. But I think that the biggest issue with all of these guys is just overuse. And it's not Brandon Hyde's fault, per se, because he is just dealing with the the hand that he has been dealt. But all of these guys have been called upon to go above and beyond. And that's the price you pay when your rotation is not going deep enough into games like they are. Uh, I mean, right now, Orioles starters have thrown the fourth fewest innings in all of baseball. So That's not good time. it's not good it's putting a lot of pressure on your bullpen dean kramer has only gone six innings one time uh matt harvey only gone six innings once bruce zimmerman gone six innings twice jorge lopez hasn't yet gone six innings really the only one who's going deep into games of course is john means and that is going to be very harmful for your bullpen long term
1: yeah john means who the orioles can't seem to score runs behind and the bullpen, like you said, they are getting put in a lot of really tough positions. And we have praised guys like Cesar Valdez on this podcast numerous times. And I think you should still be impressed with what you've gotten out of Cesar Valdez, despite a few bad outings, because you got him, again, for literally nothing. There was no expectation of Cesar Valdez being anything special in this Orioles bullpen. And even the 393 ERA that he's up to currently is still pretty good for Cesar Valdez and what you were expecting out of him. But he has been called upon in this Orioles bullpen way more than he should be. Way more than Cesar Valdez should be. You can make the same argument for somebody like Adam Plutko, who was pitching really, really yeah. well for a while. His ERA has ballooned up to a four-five-six, But you're putting Adam Plutko in high leverage situations because he was pitching well. And then it just turns into you've used him so much that now he's burnt out.
0: Yeah, he's having to come in and pitch multiple innings uh, and do mop-up duty for a lot of starters. And he yeah. he and that's what and to his credit and to Hyde's credit as well, Plucko said before the season he he went up to Brandon Hyde and said, "I want to be used. However, you want to use me. I want you to use me as much as possible. Yeah. I was not used enough in Cleveland. I feel like I can really contribute." Like, if you want to throw me out there every day, do it. That's not giving Hyde the permission to do so. And, of course, Hyde is not taking that at face value. But, um, you know, it's not like you're burning him out and he's not happy with it. He understands that this is the role that he has been tasked with on this team. Um, The hope is that this is not going to persist. And some of your starters will go deeper into games. And, honestly, I think the biggest way that you can help this is just to churn the roster. The problem is there aren't too many guys down at the AAA level where you can churn that, and you know that part of it I think goes all the way back to the fact that you have a smaller minor league system than you have in years past, um, and it's probably difficult to find guys who are just not on your forty man to bring up, but there aren't too there isn't too much churning that you can do to get some fresh arms in this bullpen.
1: Yeah, and the bullpen specifically. We've talked about the Orioles' arms in terms of starting pitchers that could come up and compete. Guys like Zach Lowther, Mike Bauman. But there aren't really Orioles' bullpen arms in the minor league system that you're really looking at. I think Isaac Mattson has the potential to come up and help the Orioles' bullpen. We've talked about him before. Dylan Tate, coming back from injury, will help the Orioles a lot. Because right now, really, the only reliever pitching well is Paul Fry excuse me, you've got Cole Sulser as well at a 208 ERA who's pitching well, but Cole Sulser hasn't been used in a ton of high leverage situations. You'll probably start to see him more in the seventh, eighth inning As Brandon Hyde will probably steer away from using Cesar Valdez and Adam Plutko as much, but those are really the only two guys in the bullpen right now that have been good as of late. Valdez yeah. and Plutko had a really good start to the season, but
0: it's been pretty downhill since. Yeah. Uh- getting Dylan Tate back, I think will be big just because you need, literally you need fresh arms. Yes. Um, their max Aroller is making a rehab appearance as well. So he will be back at some point, hopefully soon. And even Hunter Harvey, you know, say what you, we, you will about his health issues, but he, if he can come in and at least give you some innings out of that bullpen, that will be able to lift some of the burden off of max Aroller or off of, excuse me, fry Valdez yeah. Plucko, Um, The issue... So you you get those three names back hopefully soon. The question is, are you going to be able to get enough out of your starters to go deep enough into games where this issue can totally be eradicated? I don't know if you can. Right. And if Keegan Aiken is coming back into your rotation... That's great that we get another shot at seeing Keegan Aiken, but it's not like you're going to ask him to go seven innings every time he gets the ball.
1: Right. It's kind of like in football, if you have a bad running game, like you can't always blame the running back. Sometimes just the offensive line not blocking well. With the relievers right now, they are pitching so many innings because the starters are just not going into games, right. like you said. Like You can't put all of the blame on guys like Cesar Valdez, who you're asking to get two-inning saves consistently. Yeah. You know, like, you just can't blame the bullpen for all of the struggles that they have had with the amount of innings that they have had to pitch.
0: Maybe Michael Ice trades for another swing man like he did with Pluck. Yeah. That worked out. Maybe. Throw some cash considerations at some team. Um, they could also pick somebody from the minors who is not on their 40-man roster. The problem there is they would have to designate somebody for assignment like they did with Rio Ruiz, who ended up getting picked up off waivers by the Rockies. So they could do that. They could go and get a Mickey Janus or somebody like that from uh, Fernando Abad, who's down yeah. at uh, AAA Norfolk. The problem is those are non-roster invites. So they would have to add them to the 40-man roster and DFA somebody, which they could do. But um, that presents a hurdle.
1: Yes, and as important as fresh arms are, you still want good arms. And Fernando Abad was probably not... he Well, he wasn't good enough to crack the major league roster out of camp. So is he going to help your bullpen a ton? Maybe because he's a fresh arm, but if he wasn't good enough to crack the bullpen coming out of camp, maybe he doesn't help you a ton, but there are a lot of good minor league arms right now that might come up and see a bullpen role before they get to starting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of negativity in our Facebook comments as we are going Facebook live. I'll be honest. Uh, People are, you know, struggling with patience at this point. Yeah. But here's the thing. Literally, you know, I mentioned Norfolk's er- struggles earlier, but literally every other affiliate has been outstanding this year. Yes. And we have seen great performances from the minor leaguers and from the Orioles' top prospects, which is the most important things. Taron Vavra is crushing it. He... Came over at the trade deadline last year for double-A Bowie. Kevin Smith, rumors that he might be on his way up from double-A AA to triple-A. I saw him pitch yesterday, four shutout innings. He was absolutely spectacular. Gunnar Henderson, one player of the week. He was terrific at low-A, probably, maybe, at age 20 or 19. Could get the call up to high-A at some point soon, yeah. considering he has 30 RBIs in 17 games and leads all of the minor leagues in RBIs. Well, that's pretty good. His former uh, second-round pick, I believe, or CBA pick uh Hudson Haskin also crushing it another I think he was there, their second round pick last year in 2020 yes he was at low a Jordan Westberg CBA pick also crushing it at low a might get the call up to high a uh who am I missing uh DL Hall absolutely terrific for the Bowie Bay Sox uh Kyle Bradish already got the call up to AAA Norfolk from A Bowie Brendan am I forgetting anybody Grayson Rodriguez uh, I mean You just named a lot of names and it was hard to keep track of all of them. But Paul,
1: all of them are good. And that is the point that we are trying to hammer home. Obviously the major league team has had its struggles, but the minor leagues are very good. And that is, that is the point that we want to hammer home is that as frustrating as it might be at the major league level. At this point, you watch DL hall strike out literally everyone at the
0: minor league level. And you're like, all right, things are going to be all right soon. Yeah. I think we're going to be okay. I mean, it's, it's, I know patience is a virtue, and this is a difficult time right now um, that Orioles fans are going through. I get that. It's it, We're covering the team. It, it's difficult on a daily basis to, um, you know, on the media side, I think, to be able to cover a team that is going through this kind of struggles. Not asking for your sympathy, just saying <laughs> that this is, we get it. We understand. Yeah. We're with you. However, there is a son that is coming over the crest of the hill, Brendan, but that was profound. And it wow. has like the, the baby face on, uh, from Teletubbies. Oh, it that's has horrifying. The face of Adley Rutschman. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> well, what an absolutely horrifying visual,
0: you know, Teletubbies T- with the sun. coming yeah, up. Yeah, I baby. do. Yeah.
1: But not once have I looked at the Orioles minor league system and thought, this is the metaphor I'm going to use. I
0: think of, I think of, you know, 1776 and they're, you know, con- continental Congress. And they're like, George Washington is the sun setting or, f- or, or, or rising behind your chair. And he says, it's rising. You ever think of that? You know, now that I mention it, now that you mentioned that, I
1: think about it or was that all been the time. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I don't know either. This all is right. the rabbit hole that we're down right yep. now. About. Exactly.
0: Uh, Things will turn around, and yes. and uh, definitely keep an eye on the minor leagues uh, box scores every day because it's fun, and we'll, we will that keep you updated as well um, on everything minor leagues because we get to go down to Bowie every now and again. We get to hopefully get to go down to Delmarva, even though it is quite a drive down to Salisbury. Yeah, uh, and uh, get to go to Aberdeen where we could be seeing you know even more talent get get pushed up. Yeah, through the pipeline. Brendan, any any final thoughts?
1: Oh boy, well. The minor leagues are exciting. Yeah. Those are my thoughts. And uh, when you look at these prospects in the minor league system, I think there are some guys that we could see earlier than expected. And I'm sure we'll talk about them uh, on a future podcast.
0: Some guys that uh, might come up and help the major league level sooner rather than later. Yeah. All right. At Brennan Morty. He is on Twitter. I am at Paul Mancano. Be sure to follow all of our social platforms as always. Rate, review, subscribe on all of your favorite platforms. Watch it if you don't already. Watch the Mass and All Access podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.